It was exciting taking seven children who basically poop all over the place <laughs> to Maui. <laughs> Spend your vacation changing diapers. I've never seen so many disposable diapers in my whole entire life. <laughs> all my children are having a great time as Sue and I are babysitting and it wasn't that bad, but people do have messes. Every, I, tell all my, I told all my daughters, every daughter in the faith that wanted to get married, I said, just remember, every Prince Charming has a horse to clean up after. Come on. Come on, when there are no oxen, the crib is clean. It's kind of nice. But much strength comes by the ox, the Bible says. That means there's messes with that ox, but this is a great church. It, what, what a great honor to be here. If you, if you really don't know specifically who we are, you're, you're new to the fellowship here. Uh, we've been friends with the, with the Owens for years. They were on our team at City Harvest Church for seven years, uh, on staff for five. There's a little story there the first two years, but I'll tell it some other time. And uh, it's all good. And... Uh, they were our first church plant out of our, our church, and um, it's, we feel like we've been a part of this church's journey, you know, the, the whole time. Um, I mean, we were there when, um, I didn't meet in the little community center that you were at, but I remember the first time I, I came in a winter, it was January, I think, of 2007, to be exact, you were in an elementary school. And uh, I remember the elementary school that you were at. Your, and uh, and I, I remember everybody on our church plant team was telling me we, we thought it would be cold. We didn't think it was going to be this cold. And it was a <laughs> real intense winter. And uh, it, was, it, was, it was fun. It was fun. Felt like, uh, you know, I saw you go from there. I remember you were in a Seventh-day Adventist church. Remember that Seventh-day Adventist church? Uh, that was that was fun. I was actually that was the part I was nervous for you when you were in the. It just didn't have the same ambiance and wasn't you and and then we found this little building on in, it was the Indiana Street and remember that you go in the restroom you walk out and the whole church is looking at you. Hi. 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 Well, man, we grew three ch- services and uh, remember we had that cow trough we baptized in and. I don't know, you had a little portable uh, whirlpool, little spa. You still use that? No, we, we have the cow trough. <laughs> yeah, you got the cow trough. And, and then, of course, Emma and uh, that whole journey, what God did with you there, and then, of course, possessing this. It's just been a, such a, a remarkable story. God has done some wonderful, wonderful things in this church. And, and he's done wonderful things in this church because certain kingdom principles and certain kingdom truths have been honored and have been obeyed. It didn't happen by accident that he just lived sloppy lives and carelessly you weren't stewards of what he gave you and God just blessed you anyway. He, you honored some things that God was able to work through and that's why you are here. In the next three services tonight and tomorrow morning, I'm actually preaching three different sermons, kind of manipulate you to come back out. Just want to let you know that, but... Uh, <laughs> But just felt like, you know, let's, let's, let's grab a hold of these things that have made City Harvest, City Harvest Church, Heart of the City Church successful. 
And, uh, you know, I think these three subjects I'm going to address really describe, you know, the way that you have walked and describe also how you're going to have to walk in order to possess your future. You know, you may not know this, but your faith is spoken of beyond the Coeur d'Alene area. I was, uh, about two years ago, I was in Great Falls, Montana. I was with my friend Bob Johnson. Uh, has a great church up there, an apostolic leader. I don't know if you've had Bob in the church yet, but real father in the faith. And, uh, and what's that? Next April. You guys will love Pastor Bob. And uh, he wanted me to come over to his house while we were there that weekend and watch the Montana, Montana State game. It was the big Civil War in Montana. Of course, a big game in Montana. It was, it was a yawner for me. But uh, <laughs> kind of into things like the Apple Cup and those types of things. You know. <laughs> but we were there. Guys were there. And a friend of his came who was actually a kind of a bigwig in the whole Baptist or Southern Baptist denomination and was kind of over the whole Northwest and visiting churches. And the guy's talking to Bob. He goes, yeah, I got a daughter who lives in Coeur d'Alene. When I'm there, I, I, I go to, I go to uh, Heart of the City Church. And it was just kind of like talking like that's the church to go to. And I kind of acted dumb and proud. <laughs> you know, you, I know that one. <laughs> and uh, Bob Johnson goes, well, that's the church. You know, what, that, he, they came out of Bob McGregor's church right there from Vancouver, Washington. And at that moment, I was so proud of J.O. and Ray Dean. I was so proud of you and your faith because it was like, I want to hang my hat there. If I'm in town... I'm not even going to go to the local Baptist church. I'm going to hang my hat. I'm going to hang my hat at Heart of the City Church. Well, your faith is spoken of because of your obedience. I want to drive a, a concept home right out of the chute here in your mind and your heart. Is that your destiny, your future in the kingdom of God and, and your ministry and how God's going to use you really is tied to the people God has has connected you to. Your destiny is determined by your family and your tribe. And in the individualism of our culture, we just think, you know, we're the only ones that do this in the world in Christianity. We just think we're, we're going to be like Frank Sinatra. I'm going to do it my way. I'm just going to have this independent thing where I'm just going to kind of run here and run here and run there and run here and run where the Spirit just blows and, and I'm going to be a tumbleweed. I've never seen a tumbleweed ever produce anything. And I'm going to be all over the place and when the Spirit leads me out of here, He's going to lead me there and lead me out of there and lead me there and lead me there. And I understand transitions and church changes and God closes doors and you have to move and, and those types of things. But your destiny really is tied to who you belong to and who you're connected to. There's a bone-to-bone -bone thing in the faith. Paul says, I'm sending Timothy to you. I'm sending Timothy to you because I don't have anybody like mine. For you know him. For as a son... Serving with his father, he has labored with me. There's a connection between me and Timothy. It's not just something that we break that relationship because we disagree with each other. We're under strain. And what happens is that when you understand that, all of a sudden we get synergy going on. 
We get gifts and we get talents. And next thing we're doing, we're planting a church in Honduras. And next thing we're doing, we're touching this part. And, you know, the family, let's call it the City Harvest Church family for just a second. Try not to take that too far. We are touching the border of Afghanistan. We are working with the underground church of Iran. We're sending people to Honduras. We're ripping to shreds southern South America with a church planter down there who's just ripping it to pieces and, and just planting churches like a machine. We're we're, we're touching all the Syrian and Iranian refugees in Germany, and, and they're getting baptized by the droves. I mean, things are happening. Churches are getting planted all over the Northwest. We have granddaughter churches. you got a great church in, in northern Phoenix. I just was there in November. Joe and Kirsten are just knocking the ball out of the park and uh, had a great time with them in November, and all of a sudden it's like a virus is spreading, and we're a family. We're cousins, and we're brothers, and we're uncles, and we're aunts, and we're fathers, and we're mothers. Just start spreading the gospel because we're working together. Come on. We're working together. What do you say if you join the army and they say, well, this is going to be your unit? I don't have a unit. I don't believe in them. Just give me my gun. It won't work. How about a business? You got all the ploys out there on the floor of the plant. You get out there, okay, everybody, we apologize for being so oppressive with our policies. Today, we just want you to know, do whatever you want, whatever you feel led to do, because we don't want to be abusive. Let's see what we can produce. The only insane reasoning we use with this is in the church. And there's something that ties you to the purpose of God. He ties you to people who he wants you to work with. The eye cannot say to the hand, I do not have need of you. Come on. I need my feet. I need my hands. I need J.O. and Ray Dean. They're a gift to the church. They're a unique gift. They're not my gift. They're their gift. You need them. They need you. We're tied together as a family. And so there's a destiny in your family, and I want to I I talk about this in the book of Joshua. And I think we got our notes, so use our text here in Joshua chapter 1, verse 1 through 9. You got that, you got that PowerPoint for me? Fly it up there. I'm, I'm, I'm going to preach you out of the New Living Translation. Don't get upset. <laughs> don't be one of those people that, you know, that's, uh, that's air, because you don't know the Greek. That's it. All right. Let's read this. I'm going to read what you're reading. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun. Poor guy. I don't know. How would you like to be a child of a nun? (laughs) Moses, assistant. (laughs) Moses, Moses' servant. You don't get authority unless you've served under authority. He said, Moses, my servant is dead. Therefore, the time has come. Everyone say, the time has come. All right, for you to lead these people, next frame, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land, I am giving them. Say, I am giving them. them. That's your inheritance. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land I have given you. From the Negev wilderness in the south to the 
Lebanon mountains in the north from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous. Let's all say that together. Be strong and courageous. Say it to the person next to you. Be strong and courageous. For you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong. Here's another one. And very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. My first point tonight is this. this is the book of Joshua is a picture of God giving an insignificant people an inheritance. You know, being chosen by God to be his instrument is, is really a, is very, very humbling. And heart of the city church has been chosen. I'm, I'm, I'm speaking now corporately to the corpus, to the body here, that there has a, there's a, there's a choosing of God Heart of the city church. We're not just northern Idaho. Well, there's a choosing of a grace to touch other places in this section of uh, the country and other places in our nation. You've already done this in other places around the world. There's, there's a choice God has made that he's given you a grace to do a certain work. What a, what a tremendous honor to be chosen by God to do this. Now, the, the, the problem is, is that this is very humbling and very honoring, but it's not a compliment. Turn with me to Deuteronomy 7. You say, man, God's really chosen me. God has called me. Did you, did you hear my name out of, that, out of that lineup? Bob, where are you? Right here. You're mine. Did you, did you hear that? I'm his. Listen to this in Deuteronomy 7, verse 6 through 8. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God, and the Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. Whoop! He's chosen me. He's special treasure. You know what my middle name is? Special treasure. <laughs> chosen. Rip off my shirt. Chosen. Let's tat it on my arm. Chosen. Me. Now here's the humbling part. The Lord did not set his love on you nor choose you because you were more than the other people, for you were the least of all peoples. Okay, stop, stop. I chose you because you were a wimp. I chose you because you were in the back of the line. I chose you because you were weak. I chose you because you were an unknown. I chose you because you were a no-name. I chose you because you weren't too smart. Now, it's really humbling. 
But because the Lord loves you, because you would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage and from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. I chose you because I love you, and I chose you because I'm fulfilling a vow. That's why. Nothing special. That's where God gets the glory. It has nothing to do with me and has nothing to do with you per se. It has to do with his choosing. It has to do with the power of his grace working in our life. It has to do with his work in us and with us. It has to do with him. Now an inheritance, he says, there's a land I'm giving you. An inheritance is something that is given to you as the result of someone dying. Jesus has died for you and I on the cross. And as a result of that, we don't just receive the forgiveness of sins, but we receive his great purpose and an inheritance to be used as his instrument. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9 says this, that he has saved us and he has called us to a holy purpose. We like taking a kid out of a mud puddle and taking you out of the mud puddle. I'm taking you. We're going to get the mud off your clothes. We're going to put you in the bath. We're going to scrub you up. Then we're going to put some good clothes on you. And we're going to say to you, come on, Johnny. We're going to Disneyland. Johnny goes, no, thanks. Just want to sit here and look at my new clothes. That's all I want to do. And that's the way it is with a lot of believers. They, they just want to enjoy their new clothes and their clean skin. But Jesus wants to take him to Disneyland. I just didn't die for you to save you. I died for you to basically possess you and use you. I have a purpose. I have a journey. You know, I get tired of people talking to me about how God is a gentleman. Look at the conversion of Saul of Tarsus in Acts chapter 9. And God was rude. Paul is on his way, basically, to throw Christians in jail. And the Bible says a great light shined out of the sky, whether he was on a mule, a horse, or on foot, doesn't matter to me. He was knocked over by the power of God. And he said, why are you persecuting me, Saul? Who are you? I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting, by the way. And then, and this is, a, this is not like, you know, going through someone with four spiritual laws. The guy's knocked over, blind, an audible voice. Paul says, what do you want me to do? You're going to go into Damascus, stay there, and I'll tell you what you must do. This is the first 60 seconds of his conversion. Paul didn't get up and say, what are the benefits? How much PTO time do I get? How about the vacation package? How about my 401k? You're just going to go and, and just, um, by the way, I'm going to leave you blind for three days. And you're not going to eat any food or drink any water. Just stay there put. And I'll tell you what your orders are. Try that one today. Some guy gets knocked over in row five and can't see. He's hearing the audible voice of Jesus. Ushers, haul him off, put him in the room. Don't let him out for three days. Jesus is going to tell him his orders. 
Welcome to Heart of the City Church. It's good to have you here. Good to have you here. We love you, and so does Jesus and that man that's held hostage in that room. I'm called with a holy calling. You know, my, and it's a result of Jesus dying. The power, the spirit, the cause, all because of what he did for us on the cross. My wife received an inheritance here three years ago, and it came from her aunt, and, and she was named in the will as one-fourth inheritor of the estate. Now, here's the issue. It, it came to her because her aunt died, and she received it. The, the, the problem we had is that the three natural biological children of her aunt's former husband felt like she was unqualified for that. But it was in the will, when I die, this is hers. I'm giving it to her. Sometimes people don't like God's instruments. They don't like whom he chooses. There's people God uses I don't like. Don't like them. Yeah. I haven't had many, many sessions where God's woken me up in the middle of the night to get counsel from me. He just chose who he wants to use, and he uses them, and I don't like them. I pray for them, believe the best, but I just don't like them. They're not, they're not something I would, you know, someone I would have dinner with or play cards with or watch football with. I mean, I don't like them. But he chooses them. Calls them with a purpose. Next point is the promises of God are really tied to God's seasons and timings. It's interesting. He says the time has come for you to lead this people. Time to, for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land that I'm giving you. The time is now. God moves in seasons and timings. Everything's not going to happen at once. There's seasons in God. God wants to do different things at different times. They couldn't have possessed this 10 years ago. The church wasn't ready five years ago to possess what you possess today. It was a different season. There's seasons of grooming and deepening and broadening and adding, and there's seasons of pruning. I lost someone who was a great college-age leader in our church, went to be with one of our church plants. God bless them. And it was tough. I'm thinking, oh, they had this new couple they wanted, and we, we, we put this new couple, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to give it a shot. It doesn't fit for me. I have a college-age revival going on right now. God had a pruning season to prepare for a revival season for us. There are different seasons a church goes through, and, and it's time. There's a season. Right now is a season of growth for you. It's a season of increase and broadening out your borders. It's, it's a season for Heart of the City Church of Expansion. Now he goes on, he says, I want you to, I want you to, wherever you set your foot, you're, this, you'll be on the land that I'm giving you. Now, here's my point. God has a greater destiny for his people than what they can presently conceive. Now, I know we take that scripture to possess promises. You know, wherever I place my foot, I'm, I'm claiming this thing. That's not really what it's saying. It's mine. I'm claiming it in Jesus' name. And that car is mine. And those clothes are mine. And 
After a while, you got a spirit of covetousness going on here. He's basically saying, do a walkabout. Everywhere you're walking is what I'm going to give you. This is your inheritance. It's bigger than you think. It's larger than you think. I want to take away the minimizing and maximize your maximizing so you can see exactly what I want to give you. Walk around the and see what I want to do. Jeremiah says, call on me and I'll show you things you did not know. The book of Corinthians says, eye has not seen nor ear heard nor has it entered in the heart of man the things God has prepared for them who love him. But God has revealed it to us by the Spirit. Walk about. See. Get a vision. I've given you a large land. God wants to do something through heart of the city church that's far greater than you've experienced. If you're here, I'm just going to warn you. I like my nice little church. I like knowing my five friends. I like to be able to call my pastor whenever I want to because he's my little servant. I need you now because it's all about me and not the other 1,200 people. This is not the place for you. This is a place for you to say, you know what, I want to roll up my sleeves and I want to reach dying people. Great place for you. And I want to have some friends that will do that. And I want a pastor who will equip me. In my darkest hour, they will stand with me. They have a team they're raising up. It's not all about them. It's not one bucket you drink from around here. But I'm part of something that's going to shake a region. This is a great place for you because God has a greater destiny. God has a greater destiny for you. In, the, in a few weeks at our church, at the end of August, uh, we're going to do a kind of an open heavens meeting. I'm bringing in two brothers that I've never brought into the church. They're, they're brothers in the faith. But these men have stretched themselves in their gift. One of them, I've known for years, he has, uh, was just a good associate pastor. Been in like three different churches. Faithful as they come. Loyal as they come and unknown as they come. But all of a sudden, he stretched his faith and he's seeing blind eyes open and deaf ears open. And I'm going to bring him to my house and I talk with him. His name's Gary. I said, Gary, what is it? I've known you for years. What's the difference? He just said, Bob, just about three or four years ago, I just said, you know what? God, whatever you want to do through me, do it. And I'm going to stretch myself, and I'm going to broaden myself, and, and I'm not going to settle for less than what's been given to me in my inheritance. Amen. A lot of us settle for less than what God wants to give us. As a church, we don't want to settle for less. I remember our lawyer, when we went into mediation on this inheritance, she was like a bulldog with teeth. We were sitting there, and we're looking at this mediation, and I offered up, you know, we would probably compromise for something like this. And I remember the lawyer looked at me and says, I won't let you do that. I'm going to fight for your full inheritance. And did she ever? And did she ever? And sometimes we, we fight these voices within us. We have these, these voices, these words 
these memories, these recordings, these committees that are voting like this on us. And we got to break through these voices. We got to break through the, the haunting, pointing the finger. Sometimes it's some, just some, one thing an adult said to us when we were a kid. When I was a youth pastor, I grabbed some kids and I, let's talk. I said, what's the most painful thing that's ever been said to you? I wasn't prepared for what I was going to hear. One kid, he worked for two years to be on the high school basketball team. He practiced every day. It was his, his passion to get on the team, only to hear from his coach, you don't belong in this gym. Devastated. Another girl received this award. I mean, it was one of the greatest honors in her school. A teacher came up to her and said, I'm just really shocked that it was you that got that reward. Never crippled from those thoughts. Words that cripple us, that we got to renounce, and we got to bring under captivity to the Word of God. Because God says, I've chosen you. I'm going to use you. I'm going to do a mighty work in your life. And we got to break through this. And then, of course, it says that we're to be in, <clears throat> that being strong and very courageous is not an option. My next point here. He didn't say, if you, if you want to, be strong and very courageous. I'm suggesting to you, you know, be strong and very courageous. But basically, I'm commanding you, be strong and very courageous. This is my commandment. Verse 8. Be strong and courageous. Not an option. You think when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, Jesus will say, you know what? I wanted to do this. This was my plan. This is how I anointed you. Here's the promises I had for you. Here's people I had to help you, all provided. Yeah, bummer you didn't choose it, but come on, high five. I don't think so. I'm commanding you to be strong and courageous. In other words, I called you. I have forgiven you. I have empowered you by my Holy Spirit and I've given you an inheritance. Now suck it up and take it. You know, when Moses did the self-esteem thing at the burning bush, God didn't, God didn't you know, he, he didn't cut it with God. You know, well, Lord, you know, what happens if they don't hear me? Well, you, you got your rod. There'll be signs. Well, I'm not very quick on my feet in debate. And I can't speak. I'm not quick on my feet, Lord. The Bible says the loving God got angry with Moses. Uh. Basically, I don't give a rip about your lack of self-esteem. Take the rod and go get them. Wow. He basically said, okay, all right. Your brother will talk. You carry the rod, though. Uh. You're not getting out of this. Uh. Come on. Just no option. American Civil War, if you ran the other way, there was no option. You got shot wow. by your own guys. Right. What does it mean to be strong and very courageous? It means to be firm. Firm. 
In other words, I can't move you out of it. I'm firm. It means to be unwavering. You're totally, totally committed to this thing. It means to be focused. Your vision plus nothing else. You're focused. It means to be undeterred. No distractions. No changing your mind. You're undeterred. It means to be resolute. You're determined. There's just no turning back. It means to be unconquerable by fear. You don't listen to taunting. You don't listen to accusations. You don't listen to anything. You listen to the Word of God. You know, ancient battles were won by intimidation. That's why when you're reading the, the accounts in the Old Testament, it seems when Israel won, Israel won completely. It's like, you know, we lost one guy to your 30,000. That wasn't uncommon. Because what happened, they would taunt each other. Like Goliath, you know, bring me a champion out, you know, just taunting Israel. And Israel's shaking in their boots. It was an intimidation game. You know, that's why ancient cultures, you know, you know do like the haka, you know, kamate, kamate, you know, you know, that's what they did. Because they, if I get fear in you, I will conquer you. And that's what the enemy tries to do with us. Taunts us. He does huckas in our presence. He lifts his Scottish skirt and mocks us. <laughs> That's why they did those things. To taunt the other army. And whoever had the greater boldness won. Fear will paralyze you. Fear will take the life out of you. Fear will destroy your talents. Fear will destroy the best in you where you can't function the way you were called. I have to be unconquerable by fear. They can't have me. So what's the key to become like this? Where I'm going after it and Nothing's going to be distracting me and dissuading me, deterring me. Here's the answer. It's being confident that God is with me. That's it. God is with me. He said, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you. You know, the second year of this church, the City Harvest Church carried this church financially, probably solidly for a year and then partially for two years. And, uh, you know, J.O.'s trying to scrap. He's got, a, he's got a ragtag army, and he's trying to make ends meet and move the church forward. He didn't have 1,000 people plus. You, you had 45, 50, 60, 70. Maybe we got up to 100, and he was, you know, tithing. Tithing, you know, so that people had their philosophies and our tithing provided for the heart of the city church. He's trying to get the church up to giving and where it's going. And, you know, we had him down to half time, then down to quarter time. And one day God spoke to me. And this is the hardest thing I, I've ever had to do. He, one of the, in, in relating to sons in the faith, he says, Bob, as long as you keep giving J.O. money, I will not financially. 
his back's to the wall, he's out there in Idaho. As long as you do this, he won't know that I'm building the church. He has to know I am with him. So Cheo calls and Bob, you know, we're doing really good. Can we just stretch one more month and do this and then so we have this talk? I said, you know, J.O., yeah. I'm going to one more month, but after that, no, because the Lord told me that he's robbing you or I'm robbing you. He can't do what he wants to do because he wants you to know he's the chief builder of the church. We cut you off. Within like three months, your finances doubled. And the thing that he learned is that God was with him. a tough one to learn. I had to go through it myself in our church, our first building program. I had to go ask the people who hardly could give for like $200,000 in cash for, in six weeks. And I, I marched everybody down from a, a school that we met next door to the building we were building. And, and I was just going, here it is. Empty your piggy banks, kids. Let's, let's do it. And I was going to have my dad in the faith, Dick Iverson, give the message because he's just the best at it. But he had a gallbladder attack and had to go into the hospital. And the Lord, like, said to me, this is you. you got to persuade those people. you got to sell it. you got to trust me. you got to look to me, not him. See, that's what he wants to do with every church, every leader, and the people in the church, that I am with you. That's why you can be bold. That's why you can be courageous. If you just paint this 10 years ago to Jonathan and Ray Dean, this is what I'm going to do. I don't know if they would have been able to even to handle that at that time. But God was going to show them that he was with them. And that is why you can be bold as a lion. And the last key here is the key to possessing my inheritance is not in talent or resources, but it's in keeping God's word. He said, you be careful to obey all the instructions that Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the left or to the right. Then you'll be successful in everything you do. Notice the scripture in Deuteronomy 17, 18 through 20. This is the instruction in the law, before they enter the land, Moses is rehearsing to the children of Israel the law a second time. You're going into what I'm giving you, and this is how you're going to maintain it. And he says this about the leader of his people. And he says about kings that you're going to have. When he sits, the king that he said that I've chosen. So God was going to give him a king. It just wasn't Saul. I'm going to give you a king in my time, in my way, that will do this the right way. He says, when he sits on the throne as a king, he must copy for himself this body of instruction on a scroll in the presence of the Levitical priests. Wow. He must keep that copy with him and read it daily as long as he lives. Wow. Next slide. That way he will learn to fear the Lord his God by obeying all the terms of these instructions and decrees. This regular reading will prevent him from becoming proud and acting as if he is above fellow citizens. Wow. Go on. It will also prevent him from turning away from these commands in the smallest way. It will ensure that he and his descendants 
will reign, notice, will reign for many generations in Israel. You meditate on this day and night, and you will succeed. Let me tell you about your pastor. Your pastor does not pride himself in being a great theologian, but he will never get up here and preach a word that he has not asked people to help me through this to make sure I don't misrepresent God. He won't make a decision in his life unless he can see it in the scripture. It's before him day and night. He loves the word of God. And when he doesn't understand something, he'll go to his teachers and help put this together for me in my mind. He calls me all the time. I'm in the middle of something. You know, what do you think of transubstantiation? get to you it's a great honor he never wants to misrepresent truth to you why are you successful because your pastor has embraced the book he's clung to it your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path you know my feet are my daily decisions my path is my future your book will take me into it. God is with you. And that's why you could be bold. You know, one of my favorite songs is a, is a Christian song. It's about probably six, seven years old. But I, uh, I got very excited about it because one night I was up in the mountains of Guatemala at a conference with Chichi Indians, about four or 500 of them open sky about 8,000 feet up and they were singing this song they had nothing in the world going their way materially but they had the God of the universe next to them and it says these it says these words I'm going to read you the lyrics whom shall I fear whom shall I fear I know who goes before me I know who stands behind the God of angel armies is always by my side. The one who reigns forever, he is a friend of mine. Wow. The God of angel armies is always by myself. Nothing formed against me shall stand. You hold the whole world in your hands. I'm holding on to your promises. You are faithful. You are faithful. I know who goes before me. I know who stands behind. The God of angel armies is always by my side. You be strong and very courageous. You keep this book close to you. And the God of angel armies will always be on your side. Don, when you go to Honduras, the God of angel armies is going before you. He's going behind you. He's going with you guys. You won't have to fear anything. He's with you. He's with you. Don't have to fear what God asks you to do in the future. He's with you. He's going to help you. He's going to touch you. He's going to do incredible things in your life. You're going to sit back and look what the Lord has done. God is with you. Thank you, Seth. Young man right here is Mr. Mr. Cameraman.
Mr. Cameraman. You know, you got one adventurous spirit. And the Lord's going to use it. I just see you doing a lot of creative things, even in your artistic ability. Just wild photography, crazy stuff. And even even like wildlife stuff and out in the out in the wilderness and capturing things that no one else can capture. Just your imagination goes crazy. I mean, you just love to catch things that no one else has caught. You're gonna catch idiosyncrasies of things and the beauty of things and God's going to open doors for you. He's going to open doors with your camera, but he's going to open doors with your testimony. You're going to tell your story. It's a story of restoration. It's a story of great pain that's being led to promotion. And uh, you should be uh, just like a druggy, just vegetable right now. That you all of a sudden you got purpose and direction. And the Lord has saved you and delivered you, and he's put borders on your left and your right so you won't self-detonate. But he's going to release a volume of creativity in you. And it's going to turn into a lot of money, and you're going to be a man who's going to resource a lot of things. You're going to resource the kingdom of God. You're going to resource missions. You're going to resource things to the needy. You're going to be a, a radical, radical giver with the money God gives you. You're going to look back in this word, I was called out, and God said, he's going to anoint me for business, and he's going to anoint you for business. He's going to anoint you for evangelism and kingdom purpose, and you're going to be out of the box your whole life. You're going to be just a different type of guy. You're part of that whole millennial entrepreneurial army that's coming, but it's for the kingdom of God. Justice is a huge issue with you that there would be the one who has no voice will have a voice, and you're going to be that voice. And you're going to get to meet some of the needs that you so are crying out for. So, Father, I pray you release this young man, God, into his destiny. Thank you for the great deliverance in his life. Thank you that you've taken one giant crooked stick and you straightened it all out because you did it, Lord God. Shrinks couldn't do it. Father God, other counselors couldn't do it. Jesus did it by the power of his spirit. We thank you for this now. Now release him in your purpose and release him in his destiny in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, Father God. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Amen, 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 amen. You're here tonight and you say, you know, I, I want to believe for more for myself my ministry and stuff. Just raise your hand. I'm just going to pray for you. Just raise your hand. I want to believe more for myself. Come on, it's great that Charlie's got the touch of God on him, but what about me? And Father, you see these hands. People are hungry for you. And Lord God, you have more for them than they, Lord, even realize right now. I pray that the eyes of their understanding might be open that they might understand and comprehend the power of God that's in them that raised Jesus from the dead. Lord God, that the hope of their calling. And Lord God, the great inheritance that you've deposited within them. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray, God, that if they're called to give, they're going to radically give. They're called to share their faith. They're going to share their faith even more effectively. They're called to pray for the sick. They're going to start seeing results like they've never seen before. Lord, they're called to teach. They're going to dig into the Bible. Next thing they're going to do, they're going to have a Bible study. People want to hear what they have to say. Lord God, they're going to go after this thing, and they're 
encourage others. They're going to help others, and they're they're going to go. They're going to they're going to they're going to touch people, and they're going to just shake this community. Lord God, those who've come, who've turned the world upside down, have come to us. Let this be an upside down turning church. We pray because people have grabbed a hold of their gift, grabbed a hold of the call of God on their life, and they are going for it. Lord, in Jesus' precious name, we thank you for that. Amen. One last word. Young lady with the blonde hair right here. I want to let you know something. One, I want you to stop doing something and that's comparing yourself. It's done. God's hands on you. I mean, you so great appreciation for everybody around you. You get an A for humility. But now humility is going to be recognizing the great work of God in you. There is a spirit of counsel on you. There is a spirit of nurturing on you. There's a shepherdess thing in you that's unbelievable. And you're going to find yourself full of people having coffee with you, talking with you, praying with you, want to have time with you. You're going to have special discernment in what's going on in their life. God's going to give you a special gift. You've already got it. And that is, why do I have this hunch about this person? And, and when I talk with them about the hunch, they say, well, that's exactly what's going on. It's called a word of knowledge, and it's in you. And I'm calling it out of you right now. In Jesus' name, I call out the word of knowledge gift in her and the word of wisdom gift because you're going to have a word of wisdom. You're going to tell them exactly what they need to do on the spot for that season, for that right thing. You're just going to have a, the tongue of the wise. In your own brokenness, God's decided just to release his glory through you. And God's going to give you confidence, not in the flesh, not in your natural training. He's going to give you confidence in the anointing that's in your life. You're going to be a new person. You're going to find yourself giggling. You're going to find yourself restful. You're going to find yourself enjoying life. You're going to find yourself just compassionate for people and just so focused on loving them. You're not even thinking about where you fall short and you won't even care because God's using you. Lord, in Jesus' name, bring out this gift in her right now. Amen. 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 Pastor Jail, it's yours, bro. Can we thank Pastor Bob and Sue for being here? What a beautiful word. He's going to be sharing both services tomorrow. He shared this morning leadership word. It was phenomenal. You heard this tonight. Tomorrow he's going to still continue to stay in Joshua. And I just think it's wonderful. What a, what a great 10-year anniversary, just downloading into your life. And wow, those words of knowledge, just how beautiful is that? Um, what I want to do is, if you're a leader, would you come forward? I want to give people opportunity. If you need prayer tonight, we would like to pray for you always want to give you an opportunity if you need prayer family marriage maybe you need a miracle in your body physically emotionally mentally i felt like tonight the lord spoke to me earlier that he come to heal the brokenhearted he wants to touch your life if you're here tonight maybe you're in a financial crisis you're you came to a church that we believe in the power of prayer and we'd love to pray for you but I did, I did want to close with this. While Pastor Bob was preaching, I felt like there was one or two people here tonight that either you don't know Christ or you've walked away from Jesus. Now, don't shut me out. Listen to me real good. 
Jesus came. We're, this is all about Jesus. Everyone here, a majority of people have surrendered their life to Christ. To be able to, to, to know your creator, to know that Jesus stepped out of heaven, God in a bod, came down, took on your sin so that you could live, so that you could have life and life more abundantly. Listen to this, so that you could have eternal life. And the Bible says if you believe on Jesus for, for what he's done, if you believe in your heart, if you confess with your mouth, you will be saved. And we don't, we, we do our best to give people an opportunity to come to know Jesus Christ. I asked Connor, I said, Connor, would you let me know in one year from July, listen to me, from July 16, 15 to July 16, about how many people have either come to know Christ or came back to know Christ. And he took a, a, a day or two to figure that out. And he came back and says, J.O., we've approximately got paperwork for 400 people in the last year that's come to know Jesus Christ. Well, I'm believing, I'm believing for, that's beautiful, isn't it? I'm believing for one or two more. So I'd love to do this. If you would bow your head, and I want you to pray with me right now. If you don't know Christ or you've walked away from Jesus Christ, would you just pray with me from your, from your heart, from your faith? What separates us from God is unbelief and, and our sin. And just, just pray with me right where you are to get right with Jesus. Just say this with me, Jesus. I ask that you would forgive me of sin, my mistakes for offending you. And I ask you, Jesus, come on, pray with me. Jesus, come into my heart. I surrender my life to you. Be my Lord. Be my God tonight. I receive tonight, Jesus, your forgiveness. I declare your lordship over my life. And I want to thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. 